All right, so welcome to the first of four episodes of this Body Acceptance Book Club series special with my friend Chris here. If you are watching on video, welcome. You can see us making our hand gestures or if you're listening on the podcast, hello in your ear. (laughs) You can also go on YouTube or join us in our actual Facebook group if you want to see our faces while we're chatting with you. So if you have not joined in into this book club and it is still January of 2022, you still have time to join. It is not too late. You can just go to thebodyacceptance.com. On the book club tab, there is a form that you can fill out with just your name and email address. You know, the usual, you know how this goes. And you will get a free study guide as a little bonus. Thank you gift for joining us. So you can either gather a group of your friends up and purchase yourselves a copy of the book, or you don't have to use the book if you don't want to. You can just do it as a standalone um, a standalone discussion. You can purchase the book on Amazon. It's available in Kindle or in paperback. And you can get together, like I said, a group of your friends, or you can just join us in the Facebook group and we'll chat there, or you can just do your little standalone thing and listen or watch our videos um, and join us that way, however it works for you. So as I said, I have my friend Chris here. This was actually her idea. She loves book clubs (laughs) and she has helped me put it together. So I'm excited to have her working with me on this. Chris is a yoga instructor, that's how I, that's not how I found you here, is it? Not quite. No, (laughs) but that's how we remain friends is Mm -hmm. I go to all her yoga classes and I've been loving her Friday beach yoga lately. So Mm -hmm. you're welcome. Chris, if you want to explain more about who you are and where people can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So as long as I'm my name is Chris, I have been in the fitness industry for gosh, almost five years now. Started out teaching group fitness classes um, actually, we've talked about this before. I a weight loss boot camp, which <laughs> now is kind of controversial. But my journey with fitness has been one of love. One of the things that I really feel is missing from that fitness industry that I so love is body acceptance. It is this self love that Lauren just radiates like sunshine. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons that her friendship has been so valuable to me and why I was so excited to get her book first, read it for myself, but also help share it with you guys and open up this conversation to what it means to love and accept your body. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, she actually carries it around in a, her <laughs> little her little to-go bag. It's definitely in my purse right now. I love it. I'm so glad. Yeah, so thanks for having me on. Um, I am still teaching yoga, doing a little bit of mindset coaching. So if you guys would like to connect with me, the best place to do that is www.ratzingerfitness.com. Awesome. All right. So the way that this is going to work is, like I said, it's a four-part series. We're going to do two chapters for each episode. You might notice that there are nine chapters in the book. However, The last chapter is just like a, what, summary kind of, like a toolbox. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that one you can return to over and over again. I mean, you really can with all the other ones, but especially that one. So we're only going to discuss chapters one through eight and two per episode. So today we're going to talk about chapter one and two, where the battle began, chapter one, and then the comparison game, chapter two. So as you're watching or as you're listening, feel free to pause for reflection or to answer the questions, or you can just watch and listen or listen all the way through and then use the study guide that we have created for you to respond later. All right. Do you have anything else to add before we get started on chapter one? I think you did a great job. Um, Just again, reiterating, take this at your own pace. We're going to get into some heavy stuff, share our experience. Um, so whether you want to pause, do it now or come back later, just give yourself the time to reflect on your own as well. Yes. Perfect. Okay. So chapter one, where the battle began, I want to start talking about the first thing that really caught my attention when Chris was discussing her notes on the book with me. And what she said was that she didn't resonate with the idea of 
battle or war because that felt a little too extreme. So I want you to explain more of what you meant by that. Please. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I knew that body acceptance had been a struggle for me. So when I first kind of sped read through that chapter, I was like, yes, I know what she means. And then when I went back to really dig in, I remember I got stuck and I had to sit there and I was like, was I really at war with my body? And it felt almost too extreme for me to relate to. I knew that there had been a tension and discomfort, but we weren't aligned, but it didn't feel like an all out war. So that was something that I kind of had to dig into a little bit more on my own and recognize that I was still dealing with the same feelings, but I was processing them a little bit different and a little bit more mild, which I almost don't want to say because it was just as detrimental, um, but it didn't feel as extreme. <laughs> yeah, it makes total sense. And that really caught my attention because again, I wrote this book to be more of like a guide for, mm-hmm. for you and for you. And really in doing that, I shared my experience, hoping that it would open you up to figure out what your experience is. So that's exactly the type of reflection that I was looking for and the type of honesty in the reflection that I was, I'm hoping that we can all give to ourselves, right? So let's talk about the different levels and the layers of what being in conflict with your body might look like and start to understand the spectrum that we might experience. So as Chris shared, she felt that war felt too extreme or felt that the idea of war was too extreme, right? That was her experience. Mm -hmm. Mine was that I fully resonated with that phrasing, obviously, because I wrote it, but For me, it was like I had started dieting from a really young age and I had been teased for my weight starting at a young age. And, you know, that battle kind of went along from the time I was a young girl up until my mid 20s. So for me, it really did feel like an all out like war that I was trying to win with my body. And I used to literally say things like I think I shared on social media sometimes like pictures of progress photos. And I would be like, it's a daily battle with my body, but I'm going to win this one. Um, So for me, it felt really extreme. And I am someone who does experience like really intense emotions. And I'm very like vocal about it. Um, But maybe that's not the case for you. And that doesn't mean that it's not as say serious for you or not still something that you want to work with to overcome. So your own spectrum is going to vary based on whether or not you've gone on a diet or experimented with like food restriction, or maybe you've gone on multiple diets, um, how long those diets lasted, what size that you are and whether or not your size is deemed acceptable by society. You know, there are some people like Chris has told me that you've been told like, oh, it must be nice to be naturally thin or the way that you are. And that can be just, you know, pretty harmful too. It's just as limiting. It puts you in that box. Yeah. Being put in a box or just anyone just talking about making comments on your body in any specific way. And then, you know, on the other hand, your situation might feel way different if you're someone who steps out of the house and is basically told that you're promoting obesity just by existing. Maybe you post something on social media that has nothing to do with your size or weight and you have people in your comments bullying you for being whatever size that you are. So as you can see, the spectrum is different and we all, we all, how would I put that? I think we all fall somewhere on the spectrum. You know, you shared examples of you were dieting, you were taking actions, you were fighting that war. I was almost living in fear of that war. Like I knew it was there and it was possible and I wasn't quite in it yet but it was still a constant for me. And I think that's why this is so important to have these conversations, no matter where you are on that spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point too. Um, So, okay. So now we're talking about identifying where you are on the spectrum and recognizing that, you know, we're all in different places. I think it's important to say that we want to be cautious about how we judge someone else for how they deal with their version of, how they're relating to their body and just honoring everyone for having their own experience. So that to start, 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Why is it important to identify where the disconnect is with you and your body and your relationship with your body? So first of all, once you understand where the origins are, you can begin to understand what it is that maybe triggered it. You can work on then dismantling maybe unhelpful beliefs and behaviors you've picked up as a result of that. And also, if you don't know exactly where it stemmed from, that's also okay. The goal is to really begin to just get used to examining the beliefs and the thoughts that come up around your body and to get curious about them. And then to decide from there, like what you choose to keep around, what you think is serving you, what you feel is kind of holding you back and you wanna replace it maybe with different thoughts and patterns and behaviors. So that's why it's important to identify where we're at now. So you kind of get a baseline and decide where you want to go from there. So this is often the first step, or I would say this is the first step in pursuing body acceptance, which is why it's chapter one of the book, Um, because it really makes a world of difference when you're at this place where you're choosing to just acknowledge and accept where you're at, and then you start to feel empowered to decide how you want to feel about your body and yourself and then where you want to go from there. Okay, so here are a few questions that are on your study guide that you can also discuss within your group if you have one or in the Facebook group. Okay, so the first question is, in what way do you see your body as an obstacle? Now, Chris asked me a really good, important question because because Chris and I have done a lot of this work around body acceptance, we are at a different place than we were before. So the question that she had for me was, are you going to answer this as you know you felt in the past about your body or as you currently feel? And I feel that it's important for me to be transparent about where I am now and not really talk to you as if like, oh, you know, I used to feel this way and now I'm perfectly fine and I never have any body image issues or I never struggle or feel disconnected with my body because that's not the truth. So our answers, there really is no wrong or right answer. Again, it's just figuring out like what is your answer and then how do you want to use that information? And like you talk about in the book, it's that process of getting curious. It's not about answering the questions correctly. It's about the time you spend on them with them even just sitting there thinking about them yes and exactly and the great thing too about this book and about just your body acceptance journey is that you can go back to this work over and over again and there's still more work to be done which (laughs) might sound really like it can be intimidating but it's true you when you do go back at least for me you still notice the progress you can see oh I still have room to go but wow look how far I've come so it's just as empowering as it can be intimidating. Yeah, exactly. You can see how far that you've come and realize again that like this work, you'll still have more work to do, but that doesn't mean that you have to put your life on hold or wait until you're a different size or until you've gotten it down perfectly. We're trying to release the perfectionistic Mm -hmm. mindset idea here. Okay, so I will go first. In what ways do you see your body as an obstacle? Well, (laughs) for me, I see my hormonal imbalance as an obstacle. So I will feel that like, sometimes I feel like I'm broken and sometimes I'll feel that like my body size and my body image issues are all rooted from that place. And, you know, I'll think like, if I didn't have this hormonal imbalance, maybe I would be smaller. Maybe I would look different. And then sometimes I feel that that holds me back from being like, cause sometimes I don't want to show up like fully on video and feel comfortable. Or I I'll think if I were smaller, then maybe I would feel more comfortable to just be my full self. And I wouldn't feel like, well, I have to kind of tone it down because then I don't know. I think people sometimes in larger bodies are more, I guess um, they're more, 
they're more easily criticized just by like being themselves because it's like how dare you be that size and actually like so confident and enjoy yourselves I see this all the time on the internet and on TikTok and things like that so sometimes I see that as an obstacle and that's the truth that's fair yeah actually I can relate to that um which I don't think it comes so much from size but you know being an entrepreneur being someone who does try to put my face out there as part of my brand I worry that my image will be a distraction from my message. Um, you know, like if I don't look put together or if, you know, my hair is off one day and I show up on camera, I think there's this voice that's like, oh, no one's going to listen to what you're saying. They're going to be thinking, oh, you should have really combed your hair this morning, Chris. <laughs> um, and it does go back to that idea of perfectionism, like that if it's less than perfect, it becomes a distraction that then is an obstacle to my progress. Mm. Um, and then the other way that I still will fall into that trap of seeing my body as an obstacle is really with self-care. You know, there's all these things that I know are good for me. I actually really enjoy doing. I'm a better, happier person than I do. But if I'm in the middle of something, I'm very productivity focused, very goal oriented. If I'm working on something and my stomach starts to grow. My first thought is, oh my gosh, I don't want to go eat. I know I don't have to stop. I think of it as an obstacle. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to step out of that and see it more as we're on the same team. That's just a reminder of what I need to perform my best. Well, but it's a flip-flop. It's, it's still a work in progress. <laughs> that's actually a really powerful answer too. I didn't even think about that, that like sometimes our body's needs, just basic needs can feel like a nuisance. Yeah. And it's, again, it just falls back to that me versus it and kind of learning from that being at war being in a battle with it Mm -hmm. thinking that you're not on the same side Mm. that's beautiful (laughs) okay so the next question then is in what ways do you see your body as an ally and this actually I don't know that I would have been able to answer this question five years ago I really really like I said felt so disconnected from my body for so many reasons Yes. Actually, I do want to bring up a quick point too that sometimes things like intuitive eating and body acceptance, if you've experienced a lot of trauma, maybe even sexual trauma, it might be difficult to start to really be able to tune in with your body. So that's something to look at if you're struggling is, you know, I always recommend working with a therapist or there might be deep, more deeply rooted issues at hand. So it might not feel like so easy to you know, oh, I just changed my mindset and it's over. There's a lot of deep work here that maybe we don't feel as comfortable doing, but it's very necessary and it's worth it in the end. So that being said, currently I see my body as an ally in just so many ways, like just having the energy and the strength to do what I do now. And like, it's almost hard for me to put into words because I feel such a strong connection with my body and so appreciative to her for everything that she allows me to do. And I love, like, I used to think that hunger was such a problem. And for me, it wasn't like because of work and stuff for me, it was because it was like, oh, I'm hungry. And if I eat, like, like I always felt guilty for eating. And now I actually get really excited when I'm super hungry because food tastes so good. And like, I love (laughs) it. It tastes so much better too, when you're hungry. And so I just appreciate my body for, you know, giving me all the signals that she does for the wisdom that she provides. Like literally, if I learn how to tune into her and I have learned how to tune in, all I have to do is just kind of sit back and she's my guide and she's my mentor and she's just so beautiful. I love her. That's awesome. (laughs) Oh gosh. So seeing my body as an ally, like I said, it it does go back and forth, um, but I have gotten a lot better at catching myself when... I am working. I do get hungry. And that first instinct is, this is a challenge. I don't want to do that. I'm trying to switch that mindset to, oh, this is my body telling me how I can perform best. Mm. Because the truth is, you know, I do need to eat breakfast. I do need to go do my yogurt or whatever it is. And when my body sends me those physical signals, it's just trying to help me. So I'm learning to see it more as an ally there. And the other thing that's been really helpful is yoga. Um, even just during my yoga teacher training, it was two months. I did yoga every single day, five days a week. So it was a lot. 
but seeing how quickly my body could change and adapt and do these things that I didn't think I would ever be able to do just helped me fall in love with her and be in awe of her and all that she allows me to accomplish. So that's been incredibly helpful. That is so beautiful. Yeah, you did a lot of yoga. (laughs) (laughs) I still do a lot, but I've calmed down. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, And then the last question here is if you could snap your fingers and upgrade how you feel about your body. So we're talking just changing mindsets versus changing your body. What would that look like? How would it change the way that you treat yourself and how you show up in the world? And for me, really, I think that how I would change the way that I feel about my body is I would just surrender to, again, all the messages that she gives me. So part of, part of, sounds weird. (laughs) Part of a hormonal imbalance for me means that I, my body is a lot more sensitive and sometimes I get mad at it for being more sensitive. And I'm like, you know, why can't you just do all the things that everybody else is doing and, you know, be able to keep up this specific pace that I feel like I should. And I would change that by being in this space where I remember that the ebbs and flows are necessary, that the rest is necessary so that I have the strength to be able to perform at a higher level. And that trusting that these moments of rest and nourishment are going to fuel me for the next layer, that I'm not going to be able to go, go, go hundred percent of the time. And I'm thankful for a body that is so sensitive enough to like give me these sometimes louder signals than I want them to be, but maybe otherwise I wouldn't listen if they weren't like that. Okay, Chris, now if you could snap your fingers and upgrade all that, what would you do? Uh, In a word, confidence. Mm. Um, It would be, you know, the confidence to one, trust in my body. And when she does give me those signals, you know that that's what I need. Um, And just you know, even confidence in my message, confidence that my body is going to build me up and not break me down. It's not a distraction. It's part of who I am. Um, and I think that would just create some clarity, allow me to shine a little bit brighter without that layer of worry. Mm. Mm. That's the direction I'm moving in. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I see you getting there. (laughs) All right. Well, let's wrap up chapter one and get into chapter two. So for the end of chapter one, really what we want you to do is just start thinking about what changes that you want to make when it comes to how you feel about your body. And then start to think about what does your ideal relationship with your body look like? Like, what do you want to do with this information, basically? All right. Getting into chapter two the comparison game. I want to start out this chapter with the most popular quote from the book. And I say that because I've had a few people reach out to me and say like, wow, that was a game changer. (laughs) It is. And it's even like bolded in the book. Um, This quote is her beauty doesn't take away from my own. Now, this is a mantra that I started using a few years ago. It just like really clicked for me when I first thought of it. And it's something that I go back to just over and over again. Whenever I find myself like getting deep into that comparison of like, oh, I wish I looked like her. I wish I had what she had. I just remind myself like, hey, girl, appreciate her beauty. It doesn't mean that you're any less beautiful. So Chris, what were your thoughts when you first read that quote? Um, so the first time I read it, one, I just, I could hear you saying it to me, um, maybe because I could hear your voice in the whole book, but also because I knew I needed that message. And something that has always been part of my self-improvement journey is shifting from that scarcity mindset to one of abundance, knowing that someone's beauty, their success, their money, whatever it is, doesn't have any effect whatsoever on my own. If anything, it just puts out more beauty, more good, more joy into the world to help level me up. Elevates you. Yes, exactly. Um, So that's been huge for me, just trying to move away from, you know, there's not a limited amount of beauty in the world. Mm -hmm. It's not like there's only so much and we're divvying out pieces of a pie. The more we look around, the more differences, the more beautiful the world becomes. Yeah. So using, you know, even just looking at you, oh, Lauren's beautiful today. <laughs> that's something that I can then almost use to lift myself up and be like, yes, she's adding more beauty to the world. There's more good in the world. 
that's the world I want to be in. I love it. Yeah, you never look at a tree and think like, oh, that tree is so beautiful. And then a lake is nearby and you're like, well, there's not enough room for you, lake. Right. <laughs> there's already a beautiful tree. Mm-hmm. Well, that's such a funny example because we would never do this to trees. When I go out, I take a picture of every freaking tree because they're all so beautiful. Yeah. And everything like, oh, well, I shouldn't have taken that first picture. This one's clearly the better tree. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. Okay. So when it comes to comparison, then speaking of, we tend to compare our bodies and ourselves, not only with like other people, but also with past versions of ourselves. This is especially true with like our bodies like, oh, I wish I looked how I did in high school, or I wish I would have appreciated myself when I was 22 years old. Um, And if you think about it, if you really think about like, that level of comparison, how is it serving you? Because really the truth is that you are in your current body. This is your reality. Like, again, going back to the mindfulness of a, the mindfulness work of thinking about things in abundance and the scarcity mindset. Another thing is like, wherever you go, there you are. You are here now in this moment. That's all you have. The past is gone. The future is not here. And so all you have is this current reality. So you have two options here. You can either fight against that or you can choose to surrender and accept it. And so what would it look like if you fought against it? How long would you be stuck there? And how much time is going to pass before you realize that you're wasting your life wishing that you looked better or different than you do when you could really be doing so much more with that time and that energy? And then on the other hand, if you choose to surrender and accept, you can start to build up from that place. And whether that means working on your mindset or building positive habits or discovering more of who you are and working to become a person that you can be proud of and building a life that you feel excited about. So which one will you choose? Which one will you choose? (laughs) I love this body as it is right now. And I love that you bring up comparing to past versions of ourselves because that's where I get stuck these days. Um, you know, looking back at different versions of myself, even through my fitness journey, it's hard because if I look back, I don't think I appreciated what I had when I had it. So it's like, oh, there's going to be a day when I'm not appreciating what I have now. And that's kind of been a helpful reminder to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, because what if you like look back, you're like, well, I would say 99, but I don't think I'm going to (laughs) live to 99. But you know, you're getting toward the end of your life and you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I spent the whole time only appreciating past versions of my Mm -hmm. body, but never really being able to enjoy in that moment. And that doesn't mean that in your current body, you have to look at it and think, wow, I look so sexy. It just means that you live your fullest life in the body that you have now, instead of feeling like I have to wait till I look like this or until I like the way that I look. Because you'll find something new by then. Of course. Don't we always? (laughs) (laughs) Like me, I used to bounce back and forth between really long hair and really short hair. I love both for different reasons, but if I cut it off and just lust after how great it was long, I don't get to enjoy this part. Yeah. And it's just different. Yeah. Just different. That's all. Doesn't make you any less or more worthy. Mm -hmm. So speaking of, let's talk about the ways that we compare. I'm going to have you talk about this, Chris, because you brought it up, but the comparing to what we think is right. And yeah, well, I think that's a perfect segue too. just talking about, you know, short hair versus long hair. One's not good. One's not bad. They're just different. But the problem is when we really start to compare, we're usually coming at it from the perspective of there is a right way to look. And that's when we really start to kind of get into the judgment and, oh, well, this isn't good. This isn't right. So if we kind of break that down and accept that there are like lots of different ways to be beautiful it kind of takes away that need to compare and where does this idea of what we think is the right way to look come from again it's like beauty standards and we can start to become aware of where that ideal comes from so we recognize like is that what I want to believe about beauty or do I choose to believe something different so your mindset about how your body looks is going to actually have a bigger impact 
on how you feel, how your body image is. So it's more so your mindset than how your body actually looks. And you can find evidence for that if you think about what we were talking about earlier. Like you look back at a picture of yourself from like five years ago that in the moment you remember looking at it and thinking like, oh, I look disgusting. And then you look back on it and you're like, oh my gosh, I looked so cute. How did I not realize that? Well, you still look the same in that picture as you did five years ago. So what changed there was your mindset. Exactly. And realizing that you can do that in the moment is so empowering. Yeah. You don't have to wait that five years in between. You can look in the mirror right now and choose to find what's beautiful, what's cute, what's awesome about where you are right now. I love it. So instead of thinking of ter- in terms of like what's right or what's wrong, maybe get in the habit of thinking, what is best for me? What do I feel? So here's a scenario I'm going to walk you through that you can use to help with your mindset around comparison. And just like get in the habit again of challenging your thoughts and getting used to thinking, you know, what really is true. So what we're going to do is imagine that you are at this beautiful table, wherever your favorite setting is whether it's like out in the forest or in a big mansion (laughs) either way there's this beautiful big table with all your favorite foods laid out in the center there's no limit to what foods are here everything is available to you so I want you to imagine this and imagine that I ask you Chris how would you which foods do you think are better? Which foods do you think are the best foods? What's your favorite out of your favorites? So first, my table looks like absolute chaos and I love it <laughs> because I love food and I have such, so many different varied things that I couldn't possibly answer. I would need categories to even begin to give you favorites of the favorites. And why can't you answer? They're just all so different and so wonderful for those differences. You know, I have super cheesy, heavy Mexican food, which I would never eat before a yoga class, but is a wonderful comfort food. I have crazy spicy Korean food, but I couldn't eat it on a hot day. They all have their purpose and their place and their values. Mm. So they all literally bring something different to the table. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Now I want you to take it a step further and imagine that you have a group of all your favorite people now around this table, all your favorite people in the world, doesn't matter who they are, dead or alive, really, it's just your favorite people. And now I want you to pick a favorite. (laughs) Who's better than who? Oh, gosh. Couldn't do it. If I had to pick my dog, just because that's the compound answer, (laughs) Again, they just, they're all so different in so many wonderful ways. So for a different variety of reasons. And start to think about then, why do you love them all so much? (laughs) Each for their own crazy reasons. And how much of how much you love them, how much Mm -hmm. of how much you love them has to do with like, are you thinking like, oh, wow, uh, John, he has such a hot body. That's why I love him (laughs) so much. Well, that is something that comes to mind when I think of my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I told you he recently did 31 reasons I loved him for his 31st birthday. His butt was one of the reasons. <laughs> but the truth is, you know, I love his butt because it's his, not because of what it physically looks like, of the person it's attached to. And if his butt changed, would you still love him? <laughs> I would. <laughs> nice. Okay. Okay, so now think about all those people then. I assume that the people you really love love you back, right? And what do you think are the reasons that they love you? Why do you think that they value you so much? I like to think a lot of different reasons. Do you like want me to list them out or something? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm just messing with you. I'm not sure if you're going just to that point like okay. any reasons. So do you think that the primary reason that people love you is because of how you look? Primary, no. Do I think it's a reason? Yes. And that's still a belief that I'm kind of questioning and working on. 
um, but it is there. Okay. And where do you think that comes from, that belief comes from? You know, looking back and even in chapter one, kind of looking back at where this all started, I just remember I was a very quiet child. So one of the things that I was told a lot was, oh, you're very beautiful. And when that's all you hear from someone, you assume that that's what they like about you. Mm -hmm. So for a very long time, I started to build up this fear of, well, if they love me because I'm beautiful, I didn't do anything to be beautiful. What happens if that changes? And again, that's where a lot of that fear I mentioned earlier came from. I felt like it wasn't within my control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that is still something that I hold on to. What, how would you define love? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, thinking of the people I love, I love my husband. I care for him. I'm happy when I'm around him. I trust him. Um, life's better with him in it. Mm-hmm. So I think all of that kind of combined together. And does a deep love waver based on how someone looks, in your opinion? Does a deep, true love waver? No, but I'm afraid that other people's love for me does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that, you know, it's not black or white. I know that now. I know that my love for someone won't change based on their looks. Mm-hmm. But I still have fear that others' love for me will. Yeah. And that's a very valid fear. And you know, Chris and I talked about this a little bit earlier today, and I thought that that was a really important point to bring up that we may still have this thought in the back of our minds that, you know, even me, I've been told a lot throughout my life that, oh, you're so beautiful. Or when I was thinner, like, wow, Lauren, you look so good. Now you're skinny and pretty. And then it was like, okay, I have to keep this up. Otherwise I'm not worthy. I battled that for a really long time, especially when I decided to quit dieting and let my body land at whatever size that she wanted to be at, I feared that I was going to lose my relationship because of it. And Jason and I had a lot of conversations about that. And, you know, I've since learned that even though he, you know, told me differently, like he, I think himself thought that he would feel differently about me if my size changed. And that's something that we had to live with and a fear that we had to work through together. And what I realized is that he didn't leave and that the more that I learned to love me and validate myself, he loves me more. And he's way more obsessed (laughs) with me now than he was when I was at a smaller size. So really, you know, that's taught me that even though in the past, I thought that my worth was tied to how I look, I'm slowly starting to realize that my worth is more defined by how just me being me and then me showing up honestly in my friendships and relationships and you know sharing those vulnerable connections and moments and it's really more about how I make people feel and what I can bring to the table in those terms versus like oh like no one at my funeral is gonna say Lauren had a really hot body and (laughs) she always worked out and she ate so clean that's not what people are going to say. And that I realize that my values lie so much deeper than that too. I don't want people to talk about how beautiful I was at my funeral. I want them to talk about the impact that I made and who I was. Beautiful. Thanks. I think that's a good point too. Um, You mentioned how you make people feel. Mm -hmm. As much as I'm worried about what people are thinking I look like or judging their they're so worried about what I'm thinking about them or judging their looks. And 90% of the time, we're not even like, we're never judging each other. We're only doing this to ourselves. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. You're like sitting there like, what is she thinking about me? And she's sitting there like, what is she thinking? thinking the same thing about herself. What do I have in my teeth? (laughs) Yeah. That's so true. And when we start thinking of our bodies outside of that, like, or ourselves outside of just us having a body or being a body, we realize that we're, we're worth so much more than we give ourselves credit for. All right. So all of that being said, you may still feel 
like, you know, maybe you get hung up in your appearance or you're finding yourself comparing or feeling less than. And so to help with that, my challenge to you and a tool that you can use is to start seeking out body diversity. So just start by noticing the difference in people, the differences in people's bodies. And it really helps to, um, you know, what they call exposure therapy is to follow a variety of shapes and sizes on social media. So I used to only follow fitness models on Instagram Mm -hmm. and I would go on the app and just immediately feel like crap about myself because that's Mm -hmm. all I saw. And I unfollowed everybody and started following just a variety of, you know, from a range of sizes, from smaller to larger. And really for me, it was more about seeing powerful women living their best lives and having the confidence to be themselves regardless of what they looked like. So this is a question that is something that you can, it's like a bonus question that you guys can discuss if you want to, or you can just reflect on it on your own. But if you truly accepted body diversity, would you still feel the need to compare? What do you think of that? You know, I think we would to some degree, but it would change how we compare. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of bring this up in the book too, but I think it's very natural to compare things. That's how our brains understand the world around us. So it's not that you ever have to stop completely or that all comparison is bad, but again, just comparing with that quote in mind that her beauty doesn't distract from my own. Lauren's taller than me cool that's not better it's not worse but it is just comparison. and I think the more we accept body diversity the more we can step into that kind of comfortable comparison not be so yeah. afraid of it <laughs> yeah again recognize that like comparison is wired within us it's part of our survival mechanism mm-hmm. that we haven't evolved out of and yeah, so we probably won't in this lifetime. So. No. <laughs> so you just get more comfortable with knowing that, like, you know, and this is why I feel like just our conversation today has been so honest and real. Chris is not giving me cookie cutter answers <laughs> of like, no, actually, I would stop comparing because that's like toxic positivity. That's like thinking that if you just pretend something is different or, you know, fake it till you make it, let's pretend it's not there, then it'll disappear. I used to try that when it came to body positivity. I used to think like, oh, if I just say that I love how my body looks and I just tell everybody that maybe I'll believe it one day, but I wasn't able to really then reflect on the thoughts and feelings that I had about my body and be able to work through them from an honest place. And that's the goal here. Yeah, and it can be a balance of using that as a mantra, saying I love my body, even if I'm not there yet. But knowing that it's okay to not love your body sometimes. Yes. And be curious about that. Yeah. And it is okay to tell yourself that mantra or use those mantras as well and still kind of feel that resistance Mm -hmm. and be comfortable with just letting it kind of sit there, but getting curious about it if you want to. It's huge just allowing yourself to be uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) If you can master that, you'll take over the world. Amen. So the more you can accept your body and the beauty of body diversity, the more peace you can have with your own body and learn to maybe even celebrate those differences. So allow the thoughts of comparison to be there like we talked about because they're probably not going to go away, but get in the habit of becoming curious about them, questioning them, challenging them. Is this really true? Is this what I choose to believe? So here are the questions for this chapter. As before, Chris and I will start by answering them and then we're gonna wrap up this first episode. Okay, so what situations in your life trigger the most comparison? For me, it's the gym. I don't know why it's the gym of all places because I see beautiful women everywhere and I don't know. That's a big one for a lot of people though. Really? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I've been in the fitness industry a lot, so I have this conversation, but it's gym intimidation. Like no one quite knows what they're doing and there's a lot more expectations on what we should look like, what we should do. Okay, maybe that's what it is, is that, you know, the expectation is people assume that if you're at the gym, you're there to change your body or for it to look a certain way. So I'll see girls in the gym and I it almost takes me back to those 
Instagram fitness model days where I used to really truly believe that if I tried hard enough, I could look like them, not realizing that like there's a fundamental difference in our shape and sizes and build and all that stuff. So now I find myself comparing. And again, maybe it's because our bodies are more on display there or for whatever reason, that's where I find the most comparison. What about you? Um, For me, it was social media. That was a big one. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Oh gosh, all the time. Um, And I think a big part of it was because, um, you know, trying to build my business online, doing online coaching, even online fitness coaching for a while, I had to put myself out there. So I was constantly comparing the version of me that was online to all the other people I saw online. Mm. I'd had to go on Instagram, like week-long hiatuses because it was just not good for me. Um, So luckily now I'm seeking out more biodiversity, (laughs) but that was, that was definitely it for me. (laughs) Yeah. I, I guess I didn't think of that as like a like a place that like, I mean, I mean, obviously maybe it's just because it's been so long since mm-hmm. I've really like, you know, felt that, but, um, yeah, I feel like social media is actually really an easy place for most of us to compare because mm-hmm. it, you know, sounds cliche to say, but that's the highlight reel. People can put whatever persona that they want on social media, whether it's with angles and, and I feel like I still even do that to a certain extent. Like I want to curate pretty images that you see of me or good angles. And yeah. well, I think there's a part of that that's just kind of natural. You know, there's a design element to it that's perfectly healthy. Yeah. But we do have to remember that you're not seeing the full story. Mm-hmm. This isn't representative of how this person spends every day or how they wake up first thing in the morning. Yeah. So basically we have to be, remember to be aware when we find ourselves comparing on social media and okay. So the next question then becomes, what can you do going forward when you find yourself comparing and feeling less than as a result? So I take myself back into the abundance mindset of remembering that there is enough room at the table for all of us that she can be beautiful that doesn't take anything away from me it doesn't make me any less beautiful I also recognize at the same time that it's normal for me to long for a different body or for my body to look different in any sort of way that that again is like ingrained in our society that's so appearance obsessed and so I get comfortable with the uncomfortable of just recognizing that like this is a normal thought. It's probably not going to go away. That's okay. What about you? Oh, yeah. Um, I definitely like to take that same approach of just remembering, you know, scarcity versus abundance. I want to choose abundance, but it's one of those things that at least for me is a lot easier said than done. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that I kind of try to push through that is by celebrating the other person's success or beauty or whatever it is of theirs that I'm, you know, comparing against or feeling jealous of just compliment them on it, celebrate it with them and allow that happy to kind of flow over and fill my own cup too. I love that. I think that's so smart too, because like you said, it elevates you Mm -hmm. to then bring them up and it becomes like a cycle. Yeah. I Yeah. I love that we're living in the age of women empowerment (laughs) and we're choosing to compliment each other in those moments instead of trying to tear each other down and we've learned to do better. Mm -hmm. So if you are not sure of how you could deal with comparison, here's a three-step process that you can use. And it's also in the study guide outlined in case you forget. So step one is to recognize the comparison. So I'll be in the gym and I'll have those thoughts and I'll think to myself like, oh, wow, I just, you know, was thinking that her, her booty is so big and and now I'm self-conscious of my little booty, so I'm going to hide it. So I recognize that the comparison is there. Number step two is then understand where that comes from. And for me, it's like, oh, you know, I've been taught that girls at the gym should have this specific body type or, you know, my husband's always talking about big booties and telling me I have a small booty. So of course that's feeding into my insecurity or it could feed into my insecurity. But then step three comes in, which is choose how you want to process that information and move forward. Well, I recognize that, you know, again, her body and her beauty doesn't take away from my own. My body has its own set of strengths. Her body is beautiful in certain ways, but she has a different frame. 
and my frame is the way that it is and I feel very strong and you know my little butt sometimes means that jeans fit me more easily (laughs) but I just decide that instead of feeling down on myself for that instead of feeling sorry for myself I'll think you know maybe my husband does like to look at bigger butts but that doesn't mean he loves me any less and maybe he thinks my little butt is cute but he also thinks her big butt is cute so they're both cute we both win. <laughs> yeah. And I love that you mentioned it. Um, choose how you want to process it, how you want to move forward, because it really is a choice. You know, we have that knee-jerk reaction, but we don't have to stay there. Mm-hmm. Once you recognize it, once you see where it's coming from, you can choose to go a different way. Um, I also love the point that you make of kind of the grass is always greener. There's always good and bad to both. Like it's easier for you to find jeans than it probably is for her. And it's perfectly okay, perfectly normal to you know, kind of try on different bodies or styles in our mind, almost like how you might decorate your house different. You might imagine what it would look like if everything was, you know, beachy styles in here. Um, but that doesn't mean that your current setup, your current body, your current house is any less. Yeah, or that it's wrong in any sort of yeah, way. Yeah, it's just different. And it's okay to play around with those mentally, but but to remember again that where you are is perfectly fine. Yeah, just to appreciate where you are. Beautifully said and way to wrap up the episode. Um, so I want you to start thinking now going forward about how these two topics relate to each other. And then again, what you want to do with that information. So how can being aware of what makes you feel detached from your body then help you deal with that comparison as it comes up? What little nuggets can you use from this episode that we've sprinkled throughout? Just pick what really resonates with you and then leave the rest to the wayside or rewatch another time when maybe you need a different message. We'd love if you'd come share your biggest takeaways and aha moments with us in the Facebook group. And again, if you're not already signed up for that and you want to join the book club or do self-study and maybe stalk the conversations in the Facebook group, sometimes, yeah, sometimes people don't want to talk and they'd rather just observe. I can be that way sometimes. So if that's you, just come join us by going to thebodyacceptance.com, clicking the book club tab, and then filling out the form name and email, and you'll get an email with the details from there. Next week, we're going to be discussing chapters three and four, which are the health concern and choosing body acceptance. So go ahead and read those chapters if you haven't already, write any notes that you want to bring to the conversation, and we will see you then.